Hi, welcome. You're listening to the first podcast by Impact at the Core. My name is Thijs van den Hout, Community and Communications Officer at Impact at the Core. I will be hosting a series of podcasts around impact-driven education. In this series, we will speak with teachers and academics, but we also hope to welcome students and societal stakeholders to the table. Before we start, I'd like to tell you a bit more about impact-driven education. Impact at the Core is a program within Erasmus University Rotterdam. We work on education that enables students to work together on solutions for societal challenges of today. Think of, for instance, the energy transition, durable healthcare solutions, and digital literacy. We fund, support, and co-develop initiatives for education that gives room for societal collaboration across disciplines. For more information about our program, visit eur.nl slash impactatthecore. So, impact-driven education comes in a multitude of forms. Today we will be talking about a collaboration initiative between TU Delft and Erasmus University called Tackling Inequalities. Let's say hello to our guests. Here in the studio is Dr. Els Leclerc, urban designer and research fellow at TU Delft. Via Zoom connection, we are also joined by Jiska Engelbert, associate professor at the Erasmus School of History, Culture and Communication. Welcome to you both and uh, thank you for being here. Our pleasure. Definitely our pleasure, Thijs. Um, well, let's start right away. Uh, Jiska, uh, you are the academic founder of Tackling Inequalities, um, an honors program at Erasmus University. Uh, can you briefly introduce the course? Yeah, of course, Thijs. Uh, well, Tackling Inequalities is not just a uh, honors program at Erasmus University, but it's an honors program for uh, master students from all faculties and institutes uh, at our university. So in that sense, it's the first of its, uh, of its kind. Um, and um, uh, so we want to provide uh, an interdisciplinary uh, honors program uh, for master students from the different academic uh, disciplines. And the title Tackling Inequalities has a, has a double meaning. Uh, on the one hand, we really want to uh, stimulate the students to think multidisciplinary, so together with each other, uh, about how they can theorize and understand um, inequalities. So it's academic tackling in that sense of the word. Um, but on the other hand, we also want to um, provide a space where students can think about how they can actually sustainably intervene um, in, in, in uh, eradicating inequality. So it's tackling inequalities really in terms of um, uh, societal impact. Um, so apart from, from the sort of the double twist uh, uh, of the title, uh, the program also has two distinct features. Uh, the first is that in each edition of the program, and now we're in the, in the second edition, we are focusing on a particular aspect of social inequalities. And for this edition, we are focusing on so-called socio-digital inequalities. And that means that we are focusing on the kinds of social inequalities that are produced or that become even more pressing and visible because of digitalization and datafication. So, uh, for example, right, uh, consider what happens when the most vulnerable communities in a society are increasingly reliant on government services that are only offered digitally or uh, very current and crucial for us now, right? We're all looking forward to a digital vaccination passport because we think that that is a way to give access. But for many people, it provides an additional hurdle uh, and, and a mode of exclusion. So that's the first thing that, that tackling inequality stands out for. And the second is 
um, that we want to uh, uh, make sure that our students don't only show what they are very good at, but especially that they show what they are good for, how they are good for the city of uh, Rotterdam. Um, and that means for us that the students shouldn't merely use Rotterdam as a very uh, exciting place where you can gather data or find evidence of inequalities, but rather that the students really seriously and critically study how social inequalities are so, yeah, unfortunately central to, uh, to life in Rotterdam. And uh, yeah, that means that we want to teach our students how to be humble um, and how to critically and reflectively think about how they can create positive uh, societal impact without considering themselves as sort of aid workers, right? Who can bring uh, help to, um, uh, to those who need it. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, this is the second edition of the program, but the first time that you are partnering up with, uh, with Impact at the Core. Um, how are we helping you develop the course? Yeah, well, um, so indeed it's it's the second edition and um, because it's so important for me that, that the students indeed, right, get to critically reflect on their own position in creating a, a positive societal impact. Um, and that means something quite complicated because it means that students uh, also challenge what they are being told and fed to, to in some ways about what the key societal challenges or big issues are, right? And especially that students sort of uh, refuse or withstand the, the temptation to immediately jump into solutions, not in the least because nine out of 10 times uh, the kinds of solutions that students, but also policymakers may come up with are not necessarily the ones tackling the most pressing um, inequalities. Um, so what I have in my program, right, or in my part of the program is that we organize masterclasses where the, uh, the students uh, get to um, uh, exchange and debate with very prominent thinkers, academic thinkers about the different complexities of inequalities and especially about the types of approaches that policymakers have, have often uh, adopted. But I especially wanted to give the students this opportunity to sort of radically rethink this usual problem solution mentality, right? That the task for students ought to be to immediately come up with, with solutions. And yeah, um, I was looking for opportunities where they could be trained and, and, and supported in properly developing the mentality and the skills, right? To figure out what an actual issue is, not just according to the policymakers, but especially for those with direct involvement in or daily experiences with social inequalities in Rotterdam. And so I discussed this ambition with the team uh, at Impact at the Core, and they were very enthusiastic about these kinds of skills that I wanted to develop, uh, because these could very well be the types of skills that need to be developed throughout curricula at Erasmus University. And because then uh, Impact at the Core uh, uh, offered to, to help me financially and also in terms of program uh, support, and that uh, allowed the program to, to call in the help and the expertise of uh, Dr. Els Leclerc from uh, uh, Delft University of Technology, and also to bring in uh, additional educational innovators. Um, and I had worked uh, with ELS before um, in, in other projects where uh, the universities of Delft and Rotterdam collaborate. And I had seen there firsthand how she puts really uh, innovative methods for co-creation with Rotterdam communities, how she puts it to work. 
So I really wanted to 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 bring her in, and um, yeah, through the help of uh, Impact at the Core, I could ask her to design a program of so-called um, impact sessions for tackling inequalities. That's a, that's a really nice compliment for you, Els. Yes, um, let's let's turn to you for a bit. Um, you coordinated the impact sessions within uh, tackling inequalities. Can you tell a little bit more about that? Yes, sure. Yeah, thank you, Jiska, for your compliments. Um, like Jiska just explained, the program consists of masterclasses and impact sessions. And in the masterclasses, the students gain knowledge about urban inequalities and in particular this time about digital inequalities. And then we designed impact sessions in which students gain knowledge about co-creation with multi-stakeholder processes. But more importantly, they also learn skills on how they can actually make impact. And during these impact sessions, we also practice these skills through a series of exercises. So students not also um, learn these things theoretically, but also uh, experience them in um, these sessions. Um, so the aim of the impact sessions is for students to develop an open and flexible mindset, um, which is essentially essential if you want to make uh, a meaningful impact, especially in those very complex urban challenges that we uh, have at the moment. Um, so the main idea be uh, behind this open and flexible mindset is that you are able to reflect and redefine on your initial assumptions by identifying um, the values and interests from other actors who also have a stake in your urgency. And this is based on that an individual or personal analysis is usually very limited, of very limited value. And that you can actually only make true impact if you intervene from a collected, collective or a shared value. So the course program then follows a trajectory in which we start with developing an urgency that then leads to one or more interventions. And we do this through an iterative and co-creative process. Um, you just mentioned the uh, the urgency, um, a pretty big term. Let's linger on that for a little bit. Um, how do students react to this, the urgency part? Um, now, actually, the students look pretty puzzled uh, at the beginning of the course. Um, because they, yeah, they actually perceive them as real mindfucks. Um, because they had expected to be handed a problem. Um, for which they then would find a solution. Um, and of course, for some problems, there are good solutions, uh, but more often than not, um, and definitely not with these complex urban issues, um, such as inequality. Um, there are many perspectives on the problem itself from the various actors that are there. So actually, one good solution usually doesn't exist. So an urgency, contrary to a defined problem, uh, offers these students a more flexible uh, assumption of the issue, and which then can be redefined throughout the process. So students are looking backwards um, on this urgency and can then redefine and reiterate it. Um, so with these new insights, um, students reflect upon their initial urgency, and with that you move beyond your first assumption. So this is really is an iterative process. And an iterative process is very important in creating an open and flexible mindset. 
And that's why we use urgency rather than a problem. The second mindfuck, which they really had to get their head around, um, is that we don't ask our students to provide us with a solution, but we ask them to provide us with an intervention. And the difference between an intervention and a solution is that an intervention does not necessarily focus on solving something, but it focuses on creating a different perspective or a shifting awareness of the urgency. So seeing something in a completely new light. Um, and this can have a much wider impact um, on society than just solving one singular problem. Also because this problem might not be perceived as a solution by the recipients, as the ESCA also reflected upon. And more often than not, then this, uh, this solution then creates a new problem, and which then needs solving again. So also that is um, a linear process. So we ask students to define an urgency uh, based on their uh, theme, digital inequality, within the city of Rotterdam. They then start talking to stakeholders to see uh, what their assumptions and their values are um, around this urgency. From that, the students then redefine their urgency. Then again, they go back to their stakeholders and then brainstorm with them using certain methods. And together they co-create possible interventions, which might then lead to both looking backwards and redefining the urgency again, and looking forwards to a potential viable intervention. So what we try to teach them is a process of continuously looking backwards and forwards. And that is an iterative process. Um, can you give an example to clarify the difference between solutions and interventions a little bit more? Yes, sure. Um, so our students work in three groups around three themes all related to social inequality. Um, so the first group works around urban governance and the second group around digital economy and the third group around digital healthcare. Um, the group working around the theme of economy, they had initially defined uh, as a main urgency um, digital literacy amongst job seekers. And that was based upon the, the assumption from the municipality that job seekers would definitely benefit from knowing how to use a computer or computer progress, pro programs. So the municipality's solution was to offer them, those job seekers, a course. But no one showed up for that course. Um, so a potential intervention then could be, as our th students thought, to improve the communication strategy. But however, after more conversations with other stakeholders involved within this whole theme, it turned out that no such digital course actually existed. Uh, there were only some digital skills learning within language courses. So they, the municipality had linked um, computer courses with language courses. Plus also the students discovered that job seekers themselves had actually many other pressing issues that were not necessarily solved with improving their digital skills. So this group um, redefined its urgency drastically, so looking backwards, and are now uh, starting to develop uh, potential other interventions um, based on the needs of the job seekers themselves, so looking forward. Or, metaphorically, um, imagine you have a polluted river. 
which is obviously a problem, which requires a solution, which could be then to clean the river downstream from its pollution. And you think problem is solved, but it actually continues uh, to be a constant problem-solving event. But if you look from a wider perspective, you find that not just uh, one that, that that there might not be just one polluter um, upstream, but you can find a number um, of polluters, uh, all polluting the river with different chemicals and for different reasons. And after talking to them, you then realize that the problem might not be this polluted river, but that the shared value from all of you is that uh, you will actually want to have a clean river, so clean water. So your urgency is not necessarily cleaning the river, but providing crystal clear and clean water. Um, so not this pollution in the first place. And once you've realized this, then you're able to do um, or draw up in a co-creative way uh, a number of interventions that could be uh, interesting. So raising awareness, changing product production processes, maybe another polluter needs um, uh, storage space, etc. So again, it is um, by interventions and redefining your urgency that you can come to a more satisfying solution. And how do students take up that process? How do they respond to this? Um, it seems pretty different to what they are uh, to what they are used to in their academic curriculum. Yes, at the beginning of the process, the students were very mystified um, by definitely by this looking backwards all the time. Why was that necessary? And why did they have to define an urgency rather than a problem? And also, why did they have to come up with an intervention rather than a solution? And also, why had, did they have to talk to so many stakeholders to define um, their urgency? Um, but now, as we are approaching uh, the end of the course, and now that they have had brainstorm sessions with um, a variety of stakeholders, um, including um, the recipients of their interventions or the so-called non-usual suspects. Now we've noticed the Eureka moment. So they really realized and noticed themselves that by keeping an open mindset and, and allowing um, oneself to revisit your earlier made assumptions, that you actually enter a collective thought process um, rather than an individual or your group's process. So they really got an insight into their own learning process and experiences. And to me as a teacher, that is really fabulous to see. I can imagine. Thank you. Um, w w currently, you're um, reaching the end of this year's edition of Tackling Inequalities. Um, maybe this is a good opportunity to take stock also. Um, else, what do you think students take away from the experience? Yeah, what I just said, that I think for the students, um, this might be one of the few times during their education uh, that the focus is not so much uh, on the end result, but on their learning process and how they experience this process. Um, so normally, of course, it's very much you learn um, and then you do an exam and you get a grade. So it's very much on the demonstration of your knowledge. Um, and here... It's, and we have to repeat that all the time, it's very much on the process. Um, so in last week's session, um, they have to do a presentation next week. In last week's session, um, a student asked, so this, it, surely this has to be, um, we have to pitch this so we can sell it. And I said, no, it doesn't have to be a sales pitch. It's about your process again. Um, 
so it's very much uh, about uh, gaining knowledge, but more so about uh, the knowledge and the skills, how they put them in practice and how they learn from that, and also how they reflect uh, on this process. Um, and of course, this is uh, rather difficult for students because their entire um, educational career, um, so throughout university years, but also already at secondary school, everything is focused on grades and it's not on what you've actually learned and what that meant to you. Uh, so this system just emphasizes the, hi the high grades. They are successful um, and your that you pass on to the next year is always based on grades and it's not so much on the process. So naturally students are very focused on uh, this end result and not on the process itself, but on what they learn. Um, and what they don't learn is um, to that they get used to failing or failure. Whereas you learn actually quite a lot from failure of reflecting and revisiting. And that's what we saw in this process also, that they find this uh, revisiting or redefining their urgency. They sort of felt that as a moment of failure. Um, whereas, of course, it's a very important learning moment. Um, so I think we in our ed education system, we've created a culture where failure or admitting your role uh, or that you change your story or your beliefs because you've heard new comments or new arguments that is uh, seen as a weakness. Whereas we believe, um, I think at Impact at Court, that this is the only way you can keep this collective dialogue between us as human beings going. So actually you should see this not as a weakness, but as a strength. Uh, Jiska, you mentioned the, the rollout of this program uh, earlier. Um, if we take this method and upscale it so that it can be implemented in uh, other study programs, uh, what things should be considered? What are, what are the lessons learned? Yeah, well, first of all, in, in terms of um, scaling this up or, or at least distributing, freely distributing uh, the, the lessons that we've learned and uh, the materials and the methods that ELS um, uh, and, and the colleagues developed, uh, together with Impact at the Core, we are producing uh, a booklet uh, that is very clearly not, not meant to be a sort of normative manual, but indeed uh, a source of, 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 of resources and inspirations on, on, on how to do this. Um, but unfortunately, it's, it's more than just right, sharing resources and distributing um, uh, our lessons learned. I think crucially, um, there are at least three important things to, to consider if we really want to take this or these kinds of skills uh, serious also as part of the university strategy to, um, uh, to make positive societal impact. And that's first of all, that we tend to see that the types of students who get to uh, develop these skills are the very students, right, who excel in our traditional academic system, right, the top rated, rated students. Uh, and even though in, in tackling inequalities, we are really trying to look well beyond uh, a students' grade lists, uh, but most of these uh, impact programs uh, or programs where students can work together with the municipality tend to be these sort of um, uh, honors programs. So I think that would be step number one, right? To very critically also reflect as an institution and as educators uh, in, in, in who we make this available to, and it shouldn't become some kind of exclusive skill. Um, that's for me, 
a huge a huge issue. Um, secondly, and I think what what else is so um, uh, yeah eloquently elaborating on uh, is how the, the the broader logic right of thinking in terms of problems and solutions. Um, that system or that educational system is inevitably bound up as well, right, with uh, the number of years or even months we give students to plough through through a program or, or graduate. It has to do with the, the class sizes we have, right, not just within tutorials, but huge degree programs with 500 students, right, where then as a consequence, the only means to, to test or assess the students is by multiple choice students or sort of old school uh, linear uh, uh, problem. So there is a whole infrastructure here um, uh, at stake as well. Um, but for me, finally, uh, again, something that I really take to heart for myself, but also want to uh, continuously emphasize both within Impact at the Core, but also broader initiatives of Erasmus University, um, where the university is, is trying to strengthen its ties with, with the city of Rotterdam is that I really want to make sure that we reflect on our, if you like, not carbon, but urban footprint, right? That um, we, in a sense, also stop treating and seeing the city of Rotterdam as, as a test bed, right? These terms are, are literally used, uh, aside from which we may extract academic data just for, for the sake of giving our students a, a great ride. So, I think this is, if we really want to take these kinds of uh, uh, impact skills and impact sessions seriously, we also need to think about how to do that in a sustainable and critical way, right? And again, in a sense that is good for Rotterdam um, and where uh, what is good for Rotterdam is not something that we as a university can decide on, on our own, right? Where indeed the very people and communities that um, that we hope or want to want to empower get to, uh, uh, yeah, draw up the the, the rules um, uh, and the criteria for that. Well, that's a, that's a very passionate uh, and insightful plea. Thank you very much. Um, we're going to uh, leave it at that. Um, I'd like to thank you both for uh, for being here with us, Els Leclerc and Jiska Engelbert. And that concludes the first episode of Impact at the Core, the podcast. Thank you for your endurance. Um, for more information and stories about our projects and partners, go to eur.nl slash impact at the core. Be sure to check your preferred podcast player for our next episode. My name is Thijs van den Hout. Let's talk soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>